Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this episode of the Next Step Podcast, where we help you take a next step. This episode 16 of season 4 is also a part of our Facebook Live reading of the book, Delight, Discipleship as the Adventure of Loving and Being Loved. Hey, it's only 2 o'clock in the afternoon, right, this very second, and you might be watching this at a regular time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but I'm recording the video early tonight because I get to go with my two daughters to Concordia University in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where they are showing for the cast and crew the pre-release video of A Midsummer Night's Dream. They recorded it according to COVID precautions and social distancing rules. They all recorded the play separately, but they edited it together. And you can stream that production also Friday or Saturday night, the 30th or 31st, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I put the link to Concordia Theater's department streaming page in the description of this podcast. So I'm I'm going to be gone tonight at 7 to watch that show with my two daughters. Liz is even playing Puck. Uh, and Naomi has a couple of different roles as well. She gets to play the guy who plays the wall in the play within the play in A Midsummer Night's Dream. At any rate, I'm looking forward to that, to that tonight with my kids, so I'm recording early tonight so you can I can be with you as well, even though it will be remotely. We are now on chapter 10, the second chapter in this last section of Delight on God shaping your adventure. And chapter 10 is called God's Work, shapes your adventure. So we had God's will directs your adventure, and now chapter 10, God's work shapes your adventure. I'm starting on page 186. (coughs) God delights to shape you. If you've ever watched a potter live or on YouTube, then you know the clay can have a tough time of it. I've seen a potter take a lump of clay and slam it onto her workspace as hard as she could, and then punch it, literally punch it and knead it and just beat that clay up one side of the table and down the other. The entire time I was thinking, I'm sure glad I'm not that clay. I found out later that the potter has to knead all of the air out of the clay before she starts shaping it. That intense process is actually necessary for the clay. Any air still in the clay will cause the pottery to explode during the firing process. So what seems like rough treatment from the potter is actually the only way to protect the clay. Which is why I'm not quite sure how I feel about the biblical imagery of God as the potter and me as the clay. I don't like being clay. Being clay means you are not in control. Being clay means getting the air beaten out of you. Being clay means being shaped to a design not your own, being sculpted with dangerous-looking tools that cut and trim and leave marks. Being clay means eventually being fired and baked and becoming both beautiful and useful, according to the potter's plan. Well, I guess being beautiful and useful isn't all bad. I just wish I could skip over the rest of the process. If I had it my way, I would avoid all the shaping and molding and sculpting especially anything to do with working defects out of the clay or firing a glaze at 1,650 degrees Fahrenheit. The thing is, if I got my way, I would end up like I started, a cold, shapeless lump. Sigh. 
Being shaped by the very hand of God means letting go of my plans, my control, my agenda, my own will for my faith life and for my usefulness in the kingdom. I don't like it. My culture teaches me independence and self-determination as core values. The mythical caricatures of an independent woman and a self-made man are set up on pedestals as ideals. I've been enculturated into the idea that I should be the one in charge of my life. My first day as a freshman in high school, I was assigned an essay on a line of poetry from William Ernest Henley. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. According to years of funeral director polling, one of the songs most often requested for funeral services in my lifetime has been My Way by Frank Sinatra. That song was played at the funeral of rapper Nipsey Hussle after he was gunned down in South L.A. two years after it was played at the inaugural ball of President Donald J. Trump, making self-determination one core value to bridge cultural divides and cover the gamut of American experiences from coast to coast. I did it my way. The song and the sentiment are both quintessentially American, maybe even quintessentially Western. The top funeral song in the UK is also my way. And that sentiment is antithetical to following Jesus. I am not in control of my own adventure of discipleship. God is. And sometimes that truth has to take me down a notch, put me back in my place, knock me off the throne of my own Western heart, and humble me in the presence of the Almighty God who properly claims preeminence over all things, my heart and my destiny included. Both the prophet Isaiah and the Apostle Paul use the potter and clay image to bring us back down to reality. Who are you, clay, to talk back to God? Will the clay tell the potter how to make a pot or what type of vessel to form? Self-determination? I don't think so. But change your perspective on that reality ever so slightly and those harsh words become overwhelmingly good news. The fact that God is in charge of shaping my life and the fact that God is in charge of shaping my life of following is such a relief. I don't have the skill, design, or perspective to produce something beautiful, meaningful, and useful out of my own life. I carry a burden. I'm supposed to produce results. I'm supposed to have an impact or make a difference. I'm even told I have to reach my potential or be my best self, or reach for the stars, talk about pressure, all that self-actualization can be like clay trying to shape itself according to its own design. My culture tells me I have to work hard to make something of my life. But both the design and the sculpting are beyond me. I don't trust my own life plan, and I have little power to put it into effect. The ideal of the self-realized individual is a persistent fiction that burdens the conscience and drains the joy out of your everyday life by always comparing your present reality with a standard impossible to meet. For those who know the burden of unrealized potential and unreachable expectations, the image of the potter and the clay comes as really good news. 
I don't carry the responsibility of shaping my own life into something useful or beautiful. That's God's job description, not mine. God's job as the potter is to shape me and mold me according to a meaningful and artistic divine design. The pressure is off. I can stop trying to run my own life or get my own way. I don't have to make something of myself and pretend to be satisfied with what I get. The burden of making something of my life gets nailed to the cross of Jesus and drowned in the waters of baptism. I have called you by name, God says, you are mine. You are not your own, God says, you are bought at a price. Your your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever, the psalmist cries. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Of course, as clay, I will sometimes need to get the air bubbles needed out of me. That process can make me feel confused, out of control, or even under attack. But knowing that God is the potter and I am the clay is a comfort even when, especially when, I don't understand what God is doing in my life. If you've ever watched a potter work on clay, then you know that those moments that seem like the most radical or unexpected to an outside observer are treated by the potter with the most care. I've seen a potter slice off the top third of a clay pot with a wire, and I thought the potter was crazy. Just when I thought the pot had taken its final shape, when it was better than I could have ever done myself, the artist took drastic measures and eliminated part of the clay I was sure belonged to the original design. But it didn't. It had to go. And the result was a design far better than the one I had in mind. I've seen a potter take a fork, of all things, to wet clay spinning on the wheel. I have to say, I was not only curious, I was a little concerned. Forks don't seem to me to be tools appropriate for working with clay. But in the hand of an artist, even a fork can create a design. Ever so slowly and ever so carefully, that potter applied just the right pressure with the fork to create a pattern of wavy lines on the pot without ruining the clay. Against my expectation, the fork ended up making the pot more beautiful, not less. But only because an expert artist knew how to use even an unexpected tool to get the intended result. It took great care and concentration, but the result was beyond my expectation or imagination. If you get a chance to see a potter work on YouTube or in person, watch the potter's eyes. Those eyes are focused on the clay, completely attentive. If the potter grabs a wire or a fork, you can bet their focus and care only increase. When the divine potter allows something important to be removed from your life, when God allows suffering or struggle or loss to leave their mark, God is not ignoring you. God has not forgotten you. In times of radical or unexpected change, the potter's eyes are all the more carefully focused on you. The potter uses utmost intention and care to shape the clay. 
The potter's eyes and heart and skill and imagination and cunning and experience are all brought to bear most clearly in that moment the clay comprehends least. God has those potter's eyes focused on you, especially when your life seems most confusing. God is the potter. You are the clay. And that's good news. Just as a potter cannot sculpt clay from a safe distance, your God does not stay comfortably remote from a creation racked by brokenness and sin. Look at the potter's smock. That work apron is covered in spatters from the wheel. Look at the potter's hands. Those strong hands are coated and stained from engaging the clay. Your God does not pull a few strings from behind the curtain and keep the messiness of human existence in quarantine. Your God rolls up potter's sleeves and personally, intimately, joyfully engages the clay. You have a loving God with dirty hands. That's what the message of the Incarnation is all about. As God shapes and molds the lives of real people, God ends up with dirty hands. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, just like you were born in the same messy way. And his dad probably wiped baby Jesus off and picked him up by the feet and spanked him on the butt to make him cry. Jesus came into the world just like you did. Jesus walked. That's what he did. Jesus didn't have an angel chariot that whisked him wherever he wanted to go. Jesus didn't even have a bike. Jesus walked everywhere he went and his feet got dirty and his legs got tired And he got hungry, even at times exhausted. Jesus knows what it's like to bury a father. Jesus knows what it's like to stand at the graveside of a friend and weep. Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed by someone you trusted. Jesus was willing to get his hands dirty. Jesus got his hands dirty when he touched a woman who was ceremonially unclean because of an illness she had carried in her body for years. Jesus got his hands dirty when he made mud and put it on the eyes of a man born blind in order to heal. Jesus got his hands dirty when he knelt down and washed his disciples' feet. Jesus got his hands dirty when he allowed Roman soldiers to nail them to the rough wood of a cross. God was not willing to play remote control with your discipleship walk from a distance. In Jesus, God stepped into human history to save. By the power of the Spirit, God still steps into human history, into your story, and in Jesus touches your life to mold you and shape you in love. At times, God's presence will seem near and real and comforting. At times, God will seem to you to be distant, aloof, uncaring, or even absent. But throughout the range of your personal experience, this truth remains constant. You have a loving God with dirty hands.
God is the potter, and you are the clay. And that's good news. You are not in control, and the one who is in control has the skill and the talent and the experience and the design to create a masterpiece of unique beauty and usefulness out of your life. The times that seem most difficult to you are times when the potter is most focused on your life. You have a loving, personal, intimate God with the strong, careful, and dirty hands of a potter who delights to shape the clay. The potter's delight is my new favorite part of this biblical image of potter and clay. Have you ever done something you do really well and it turned out just the way you wanted? Then you know something of what God feels when that divine potter takes a moment to stop and see how your life is starting to shape up. I can just imagine God sitting back from the potter's wheel with a smile of pride and delight. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Remember, that's Revelation 4.11 in the King James Version. That's God's desirable delight in creating and sustaining you. It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's Philippians 2.13. That's God's thoughtful delight, good pleasure. God's thoughtful delight in the way you are turning into a masterpiece, beautiful and useful and delightful. God is up to something in your life. God is molding and shaping you. God is using even the most difficult and confusing experiences in your life to create a divine design. The careful, beautiful, intentional work of the Father, uh, the careful, beautiful, intentional work the Father is doing in your life is an absolute delight. But now, O Lord, you are the Father. We are the clay. You are our potter. We are the work of your hand. Isaiah 64, verse 8. So God delights to shape you. And that image makes you a very passive lump of clay. And there's some really important and good things about that image. The next section is called God delights in your full engagement, which feels like the opposite, right? You are completely dependent and God is the potter. You're the clay. You don't get to be in charge. And yet you also get to be fully engaged in this adventure of discipleship. We'll pick up our reading tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Eastern with God delights in your full engagement. Now I get to finish off my work day and then get ready to go with my daughters down to see A Midsummer Night's Dream. You can watch it on Friday or Saturday at 7 p.m. Uh, they're streaming the production. And then I hear if you wait a couple weeks, you'll be able to see it on Concordia Ann Arbor's YouTube channel as well. So if you don't catch it this weekend over Halloween and Reformation, uh, maybe you'll get a, cha a chance to watch it on YouTube. Hey, thanks for joining me. Uh, I don't know that anybody knew this was happening this afternoon, and so none of you happened to join live, and that's completely cool. I called an audible, and we're going to do, uh, do this early so I can be somewhere else at 7 p.m. tonight. But thank you. Thanks for joining us. Please check out both the book and our uh, 
Next Step Patreon page where you too can become a Next Step patron from $3 or $9, $25 a month or any, any amount that you choose. Hey, thanks for joining us for this book reading. We'll see you next time at Next Step Press.